Support comes from Kappa, presenting an evening with Fran Lebowitz, March 6th at the Southern Theater. The evening will feature an unapologetically opinionated talk moderated by Ann Fisher, audience Q&A, and book signing. Tickets at kappa.com. This podcast was recorded Thursday, February 9th at 10.38 a.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Yeah, like the State of the Union address will resemble Prime Minister's questions in the British House of Commons. Mr. Speaker, I appointed the independent advisor to investigate this matter fully. He, he has set out his... We're getting closer. Let's talk politics. This is Snolly Goster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snolly Gosters or shrewd politicians who threaten to sue members of their own party. I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson. Coming up in the podcast, more on that GOP squabble in the Ohio House and why it may go to court. I can't wait. But first, you will be glad to know that the state of our union is strong. That's what President Biden declared more than an hour into this week's State of the Union address. Yes, it is strong, according to the president, because of all the government spending he's gotten passed in the past couple of years. Spending that includes huge subsidies for computer chip manufacturers like Intel, which is building a factory complex in New Albany. Outside of Columbus, Ohio, Intel is building semiconductor factories on a thousand acres, literally a field of dreams. Kevin Costner there evidently leading the intel effort. I feel the dreams of the white fence. I guess so. Biden also pointed to money set aside to fix and replace the Brent Spence Bridge connecting southwest Ohio and Kentucky as an illustration of his and Congress's infrastructure spending. So two Ohio shout outs during the State of the Union address. Yes, a source of pride for us Ohioans. But the most memorable part of the speech was when the president was jeered for suggesting some Republicans support cutting Social Security and Medicare to help balance the federal budget. The president gave as good as he got. As we all apparently agree, Social Security and Medicare is off the, off the books now, right? They're not to be stopped. All right. Good speech, I thought, Steve. Yeah, yeah, he, he he got a little sarcastic. He did uh, get a little catty there, but... He set him up. He set he him up. He did set him up. And, and uh, some people misunderstand the term sunset, which he, he exploited a bit. I mean, he what he did is true, and every good politician is good at working around the fringes of the truth. Yes, when you sunset something, the funding ends, similar to the assault... The guarantee of the funding ends. The, yes, the... The assault weapons ban, remember that back in, it was passed in 96, had a sunset after 10 years. So in 2006, the ban went away. So that's what a sunset is. So technically, if you support a sunset, you support ending of funding unless it is renewed. Now they may, right. so it's, you're right, it's a half truth. You could, you right, say. you support the no longer guaranteeing and you have to, to re-up every few years. Yeah, so. Like, like a school levy. So he put that in the speech. He knew he would get jeered, or, or his speechwriters strongly suggested he would get jeered by the far right wing of the Republican Party, the Marjorie Taylor Greene folks. Oh, was she there ever? And they did. And he, <laughs> I, he, he's done this before. He, and he, uh, he, he just, he took advantage of it. And by most critics in the media, he won that argument. Now, conservative media criticizes him for telling half-truths and calling him, you know, not telling the full truth. So it depends on which, which media you're listening to. But most, I think, 
folks thought that the president got the better of the Republicans in that moment. Yeah, the Marjorie Taylor Greene memes that were born out of this are, are really just fantastic. She was wearing the big white coat and... Um, yeah, he, he did. He won the PR battle, I think, on uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah. What I you know, before the before the speech, AP had that poll out there that said that, you know, a majority of Democrats didn't think he should uh, seek a second term. Only 37 percent of Democrats, according to that poll, want him to seek a second term. Basically, they're saying he's too old. He'll be 82 when he he's runs so again. Old. He will be 86 when he finishes his term. But he looked pretty good in that speech. I don't know if he took an extra Red Bull, drank an extra Red Bull before the speech or whatever, but he didn't look 80 years old. He, he, was, he has his gaffes and his, he stumbles over words, but he's done that for years. I thought he, can, he did a good job of at least quieting those critics that he was so elderly that he couldn't be president. You evidently do not follow people from Union County on Facebook because he did not. The view not, from Richwood. The view from Richwood, the view from Union County would be that President Biden is the oldest man alive and that he is uh, being kept alive by some miracle of science. That is sort of the view from Richwood. It's, um, and they support who? Uh, Donald Trump. And he They're, is how old? Uh, a little bit younger than Joe Biden, A couple right? years. Yeah. Two or three years younger. Yeah. No, no, he's not a spring chicken himself. But, um, yeah, I mean, Biden is prone to sounding old sometimes uh, and I, I agree with you that on, on Tuesday night he did not sound as old he did not kind of mumble through some words like he does sometimes god he is still so old and he is really uninspiring I, I would say I think especially to the to the farther left to the uh, the more progressive wing of the Democratic Party and I'm not shocked at all that 37 percent want him to be reelected. He has uh, pushed through some big spending bills, he, that, that, especially that, when he had the Democratic Congress, but he doesn't have that anymore. And so it's going to be two more years of divided government. And I, I don't know what he's going to do to inspire more support than the 37 percent he apparently has now. That's what he was trying to do in this speech. Remind folks of here's what we have accomplished in the first two years. The infrastructure spending, he called out the Brent Spence Bridge. You'll start to see these projects come online in the next couple of years. The the lower in the cost of, of, of prescription drugs, which is going to take many years and only affects a handful of drugs, but it's something. The gun control legislation, which, again, was very minimal, but it was something. So he's reminding Democrats and independents of what they have done. Whether he seeks reelection, I, I, I think it's still up in the air. It certainly looks like he's running again, but that's, of course, what you do. You say you're, you run full force until you say you're not running. Because I mean, if you say, right, oh, I'm, they, I'm, I'm considering not running, that's going to that, that's going to undermine you from the get go. Yeah. You'll never hear a, an elected office holder or even a candidate say, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm probably bowing out. It is funny that, you know, Mara Eliason from NPR made a good point this week that these speeches are often when you're going into a period of divided government, you have no real other choice but to tout what you've done instead of a really ambitious agenda looking forward. I, I don't know what is really most ambitious goal is at this point, maybe the junk fee bill. I mean, I don't know what else is going to get pushed through other than executive orders. Yes. No, the, the House, it is a very, it is a very narrow majority. Mm -hmm. So there could be, he could peel off a couple, there are several Republicans who were elected in 2022 20, uh, who are in districts that Joe Biden won in 2020. So those are the members of Congress he likely would target. But you still have to go through the speaker, and the speaker is, of course, beholden to that far right that, that got him into that position. So it will be will be worth watching. Maybe there are some things that immigration reform is not going to happen. There's not going to be a grand bargain on the, on the budget, I don't believe. There's not going to be a tax the wealthy proposals. No serious gun control measures. No. I mean, there, there could be some He's gonna work small around the edges. victories around the edges. Yeah, which is 
to be expected in a period of divided yeah. government. Well, what he's going to do is if this deficit fight, the deficit ceiling fight, he, he's trying to do what Bill Clinton did to Newt Gingrich. Government shutdown, or if there's a crisis in the government, blame it on the Republicans for being obstructionist, and that cleared the way for, for his reelection. You mentioned Donald Trump, or maybe I mentioned him first. I think I did. Um, the latest polling uh, pitting Biden and Trump in 2024, what does it say? Well, I looked at Ohio. Of course, this was done before the midterms when the mm-hmm. Democrats did surprisingly well. And in, in Ohio, Trump still beats Biden by double digits, 12, yeah. 14 in Ohio. percent in Ohio. Yeah. And nationally, I think it's close. It's, it's polls at this stage are very dubious because they're not campaigning against each other. Can't, Biden's not out there touting what he's done in a campaign. He's people are not looking critically at, at Donald Trump as they would if he was yeah. actually out there actively campaigning. He's done a couple of rallies, I know, but he's not actively campaigning. The campaigns tend to once the campaign starts, then you really, I think, look should look closely at the polls. It's going to start soon. So we're, in, we're, we're well into 2023 at this point. It's going to start soon. Within the next couple of months, we should get a firm answer from the president on whether or not he's going to seek re-election. I still think it's not a slam dunk that he seeks re-election. I'd be shocked if he doesn't run. I, I, who else is it, out there? That's the question. That's, that's the main thing. Who, I mean, who, who has the viability to get elected? The logical next up like Kamala be Harris? Kamala Harris, but a lot of Democrats do not like her. A lot of independents do not like her. She's not uh, the Pete best Buttigieg? candidate. Who's the, who's, who else? Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, um, Chris, they, uh, Governor Whitmer from, from Michigan. I mean, aside from Whitmer, they've all ran for president before. Yeah. I think Gretchen Whitmer up in, up in Michigan would be a very strong candidate should uh, Biden not run for a re-election. Race might be a hot topic right now, but for so many of us, talking about race is nothing new. On the Code Switch podcast from NPR, we go beyond the headlines and we go deep. Listen now. Anyway, turning now from Washington to Columbus, the squabble between Republicans in the Ohio House has continued in private caucus rooms and sometimes the House floor. And now it might be heading to a courtroom. And the fight is over. What else? Cash. Cash money. The Republican caucus campaign account, which helps members win and retain their seats in the Ohio House. Yeah, usually not an issue. The party elects a speaker. That speaker controls the Ohio House Republican Alliance leading up to an election. And that has millions of dollars in it. Yes. House Speaker Jason Stevens says he runs the account. Jilted would-be House Speaker Derek Merrin and his supporter, State Rep Phil Plummer, they say they should run the account because a majority of House Republicans want them to run the caucus. Until he wants to work with us and not be a dictator, you know, things are going to be rocky for a while. Plummer may have somewhat of a case. Apparently, there is nothing in state law that says the speaker should run the account. It's up to members of the caucus. And right now, a majority of that caucus supports Derek Mara, not Jason Stevens. Yeah, if I'm a judge, I'm going to say, look, you guys work this out. This is not for me to decide, but who knows, you know. I'm just incredibly amazed this has not been worked out yet. It's been close to a month now. I mean... Are there uh, my my main question? When you say there's not nothing in state law that dictates who controls this money, is there anything in the GOP bylaws that says who controls this money? I don't know. I just know that Jason Stevens insists the account is in his name. That holds a lot of legal weight. I think that's what the judge will have to decide. Yeah. yeah the, the, the logical is the, the thing is too when you think about politics. Here you're trying to raise money from donors who support your cause. And the speaker has a lot of power as to which legislation gets passed, which comes to the floor, which amendments uh, are attached to it. So it's 
easier for the person in charge of that, for the House Speaker, to go to donors and raise money because they will win favor with the Speaker who controls legislation. If the Gro gross but true. If the Speaker does not right. control the account and doesn't have, so why would someone give to it? If it's just some member of the House. It would seem like the, right. the Speaker would have an easier time, much easier time, raising money for this account than just a member of the House, even if the member of the House is, quote, the leader of the caucus. That's exactly right, because ask Derek Maron. I mean, how much power does Derek Maron actually have in the House right now? No, none, really. I mean, no, no more than, than I, I don't know, who, some random senator from Finley, right? Yeah. I mean, there, no more power than any of—I shouldn't say senator, but no more power than a random representative from Athens. He's just he's just a guy in in the house. Yeah, he leads a coalition of members, and they and with the with numbers comes some strength. But the speaker, as long as he keeps the Democrats as part of his coalition, he controls the house. Yeah, and this is first of all, I, I say it often. I am here for the political nonsense. This is just great. This is hilarious. It's it's really funny. You talk to observers, and they don't know what's going on. They really do not talk to lobbyists, Republican folks down there, and they just they are mystified as to what is going on, and they are surprised as anyone else that they have not figured out a way to solve. This, this. continues to to lead to the possibility of the formation of a new caucus. That um, I don't think Republicans want to really cut that money in half or two thirds or whatever it would be, but it could get to that point where Derek Maron or, and his whole faction says, okay, we'll just get, we'll control X and you control X and we'll go our happy ways, sort of like a, you know, like when you dissolve a marriage. My guess is the speaker will have an easier time raising money for his account than yeah. the other ones will. For I, I would, <clears throat> that, that certainly could happen, but you would hope cooler heads prevail and that they, they find a way to sort of squash their, squash the beef. Yep. Turning now to our Snollygoster of the Week segment. That is where we honor the shrewdest politician or political move of the past seven days. This week, we got to give it to President Joe Biden. Faced with still high inflation and polls showing even Democrats think he's too old to run, Biden produced a stemwinder of a State of the Union address and successfully baited some Republicans. And they took the bait and, in the process, hurt their bargaining position in the negotiations over the debt ceiling. Yeah, looks like Medicare and Social Security are off the table. Yeah, he did a good job of, of really making them the foil on that. Yep, we got how many months to go before we hit the ceiling? Three or four months? It's going to be fun to watch. Oh, God, I can't wait. That will do it for this week's edition of Snollygoster, which is part of the NPR Network. As always, please be sure to leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you find us, and just tell your friends about us. For our student producer, Katie Genius, our audio producer, Eric French, and our digital producer, Michael DeBonis, I'm Steve Brown. And I'm Mike Thompson for Snollygoster from WOSU Public.